welcome to another episode of the Hope Mindful Compassion Show. My name is Paul Garrigan and I manage the mindfulness program here at Hope. Hi Paul, my name is Doug Sullivan, I'm one of the counsellors here at Hope. So what we're going to talk about today is atheism and agnosticism mm. in regards to people coming to rehab. So in your experience Doug, is this an issue for people? Is it an issue in regards to recovery? Um, it can certainly be an issue in regards to people's prejudice. You know, I mean, I've heard many times, you know, people say, "Well, I won't go to a twelve-step meeting because it's all about God and religion," um, which it isn't. Um, although there are, you know, like any um, kind of organisation or group that involves people, there are um, opinions within that, uh, and some people hold their opinions very dearly and. So it can cause friction. It can, for somebody who's an atheist or an agnostic, uh, uh, being around people who believe can feel difficult. Yeah. yeah. And you know, in regards to rehab, you know, so we're in rehab now. I mean, is, I mean, is is it a topic here? Is it something that we kind of needs to be? Does God need to be in the equation? Well doesn't need to be in the equation, certainly not in my experience, and I suppose that's ultimately all I can talk about really. Um, no, it doesn't need to be in the equation. Some form of spirituality, and by spirituality I, I define that by, a, a, by connectedness, by being connected to the community, to nature, to, you know, to what's around you, to being aware. So it's a, about awareness and connection for me, right? That's, what spirituality is about, and, and big books themselves to talk about spirituality rather than religion. So. But it, but even what you say there, I mean, there's going to be people mm. who, who even the word kind of spirituality mm. makes them feel incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, and it may be for good reason. I mean, some people have had kind of bad experiences with, with this kind of stuff. I mean, and what would you like say to them? Well, I think anybody who's had a bad experience has to be listened to first of all, and that has to be taken into account. Um, but then it's also about them reconnecting with something that's that's not from the previous experience or in a different way to something that's bigger. I mean, you know, some people, I remember actually somebody told me once I was very spiritual and I had no idea what they meant. I just didn't have a clue. Um, so it's taken me quite a while to come to terms or to find my own kind of definition of what spirituality means to me. And ultimately, that's what it's about. It's about what it means to you as the individual. It's not about what it means to the group or to you know to the majority of people. It's what it means to you. Because it can be a, a very loaded word, can't it? Because I remember as a young guy, I had a st- went through a stage where to me spirituality meant tree hugging or you know. Yeah, there are lots of proper uh, popular sorry misconceptions and kind of prejudices within that, and people put labels on things, and it you know we do it as humans, and it makes life easy for us in some, some ways. It also makes life confusing for us in other ways, you know, because life in many ways is actually about the nuance of what's going on and how you perceive things and how you feel about things. So, yeah, it can be loaded, but then ultimately the responsibility is yours. And, you know, I don't feel the need to um, impose my belief and my understanding and what it means to me on anybody else. I always loved the, the quote by uh, Dame Maggie Smith when she talked about religion. She said, it's all very good. Religion, it's like penis, you know. It's all very good to have one. It's when you get it out and start waving it around that I get offended. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have no desire or compulsion or compunction to, to kind of 
promote what I believe to anybody else because it's not, it doesn't matter what I believe to anybody else. It matters to me what I believe. But, but could we have a kind of uh, a kind of very simple, say, you know, that something that we could all agree upon when we're talking about spirituality? Is there a kind of a very, very basic um, kind of definition we could use just for the, the, the sake of communication or something that it kind of has to... Well, I mean, I find that, you know, the way I look at it works for me and I think it would work for most people, but I'm not most people. Um, you know, when I look at spirituality, it's about being connected and it's about being aware, you know. Um, and when I'm aware of my surroundings, I'm also aware of my behaviours, about what's going on for me, then that allows me almost to put it to one side to a degree and to be kind of more myself when I'm interacting. Be connected to what? Be connected to other people, be connected to actually life itself, to what's going on around you, you know. We're, we're affected by things like, you know, architecture and the weather and traffic and, you know, so all this stuff affects us and impacts on our lives, maybe in a big or a small way, but it's all there. And a lot of you gave a very good, before we started the podcast, you gave a very good example of this connection, didn't you, when you talked about the stars. Can you tell oh, us about okay. that? Um, yeah, there's a, um, a guy, some people might know him, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, he's a cosmologist and a, a physicist, I believe. Um, an American guy, and there's a, a video on YouTube, and somebody asked him what the most astounding fact was. Um, and his most astounding fact was that as human beings, as people, we are actually carbon units, if you like, um, and we're made up of carbon and hydrogen and oxygen and water. Um, and the only place that this is kind of created or comes from uh, is stars. And when a star you know, goes, it explodes and spills its, its, its guts, as he describes it, across the universe, that then lands on planets and the chemical reactions and life begins in that soup. Um, and, you know, so not only are, are we in the universe, but actually because of how we're made up and what we're made up of, we are part of the universe. The universe is in us. So in that sense, you know, it's, not, it's about looking at life and realising that actually I'm part of everything. Now that sounds very hairy and fairy for some people, but actually it's very true and it's it's scientifically proved, you know. So. And it seems to me a lot less egotistical than our normal way of seeing things, because we I, I think there's this tendency to kind of view ourselves as I'm here and the world is there. Yeah. But this is but that seems to kind of say, well, you're just part of the world. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is what I think Carl Sagan described as the anthropocentric view of the world where man is king you know um, where I don't believe that man is king I believe that man is part of um, so it's all far more level playing field you know? and, and why would thinking like that be in any way useful for people with addiction problems well essentially I mean, you know, for me anyway it allows me to feel that actually I'm, I'm a speck of dust um, I'm not huge I'm not big I'm small um, because like most addicts I have a huge ego and um, sometimes I think I'm brilliant and sometimes I think I'm the worst person in the world and looking at life in this kind of way allows me to kind of measure myself against who I really am and kind of go well actually I'm not that important um, I am important I'm not saying I'm not but I'm not as important as I like to think I am sometimes 
Um, and it, so it just it helps me deflate my ego and keep me down to size and allows me to kind of be me and you know and then that affects the way I interact with people and I'm a lot more humble and willing to listen and it helps my empathy and it helps all sorts of things. Now in regards to say somebody who just you know comes to rehab mm. you know that's that all sounds very very well but how, you know, specifically is it going to help them? You know, that, you know I'm trying to, I just came here to come off drugs. Mm. Why are you telling me this? Right, okay. Well, <clears throat> as I was just saying, I mean, I think most of us as addicts, and I don't like to generalize, but I'm about to, is that, you know, we do have huge egos and very low self-esteem. And actually that kind of rebalancing of, uh, and a realization of who we are and, why we are to a degree is very kind of humbling and you know it, it reduces the ego and it makes us more I believe compassionate and more willing to look at others as we see ourselves and kind of and make that connection and again that so it's about raising the awareness and and the, uh, the connectedness so it's, it's all kind of connected. spins back on itself you know. like what you say is all very reasonable Okay. And you know, and, and it sounds great, mm -hmm. but you know, especially with some approaches, they don't often, at least, appear to be saying what you're saying. In, in that, you know, they'll often use the word God very specifically. Yeah. I mean, how how you know does that mean you have to believe in a God? Well, obviously not, because I don't. Um, that doesn't mean to say that God doesn't exist. It's just I see no evidence for the yeah. existence of God. Um, and in probability, there isn't a God. That's the way I see it. Um, I have no, 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 you know, if somebody says that they believe in God, that's fine. I, that's fine. I have no problem with that at all. Whatever works for somebody. Um, I think where it becomes dogmatic, whereby you have to do it this way, which you, do t you can tend, rather than you do, you can tend to hear some people say that, you know, it, you know there are many roads up the mountain, but this is the path that works. And, and that's true for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true for everybody else. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in what worked for us and try and pass that on to people, which is fine, but we can't be dogmatic about it. We have to let people find their own recovery because you can help them and you can show them what they need to do, but ultimately you can't do it for them. So you can't take credit for them. If you take credit for somebody's recovery, you then have to take responsibility for the people who don't get in recovery. So there is that freedom then to kind of make, make your own interpretation? Of course there is. You're, you have to. It has to mean something to you as a person. If it doesn't mean anything to you, you're not going to believe in it. If you don't believe in it, you're not going to look after it. You're not going to value it, and it will just disappear. One thing I noticed when I was a young guy, and uh, you know, first sort of um, coming in contact with the whole recovery kind of mm -hmm. uh, industry, or whatever we're going to call it, is that often it felt as if people were kind of saying that, you know, your lack of belief in God is part of the problem, that it's yeah. part of your disease kind of thing. And yeah. what would you say to that? Well, well, short answer would be you're wrong. Um, but, I mean, I suppose I need to quantify that a little bit. Um, you know, when I came into, originally I got sober in 12-step, and... I was willing to believe, and they say you have to be willing to believe, and I was willing to believe, and I got down on my knees, and I said the third step prayer, and I handed over, and I did all you know, my powerlessness, and I went through all of that. Um, but I also, I didn't come to my non-theism, non-deism 
um, overnight. I was willing, but then, you know, as I say, I mean, I went to, to Israel and I, I wanted to know, I asked the question. So I, you know, I read the Torah, which they call the Pentateuch, uh, five books of Moses, then I read the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, then I read the New Testament, and then I read the Quran, and then I read the Bhagavad Gita, and I, you know, and I looked into Zoroastrianism and looked into the history of religion, you know, I wanted to know. I was willing to believe, but I wanted to know. So I was, I, I looked, and the more I looked, the more I became convinced that there probably wasn't a God. And was this sort of studying happening, after, like, you know, while you were kind of, you know, was it after your recovery? Well, to be honest, before. it started before my recovery because I had, I wanted to believe in something. I, I was um, very lost and I was very desperate because I knew I couldn't keep living my life the way I was living it. So I was looking for something else. So I went looking for God. Um, so my, that kind of journey started before I got into recovery. Um, and then once I was in recovery, I kind of continued that journey and continued looking and trying to seek and find and to understand find meaning, like a, a, a deistic meaning uh, in life, and, and I don't. So, but that's okay, that's mine, it's not anybody else. Yeah. I mean, would, would you say it's fair, because I, I, I imagine it does happen, some, at least sometimes, that people, you know, that don't have a belief mm. should be, you know, kind of pressured into having a belief. Would you say that's fair? No, of course I wouldn't say it's fair. Um, what I would say is that they should be encouraged to believe that actually they're part of something, that actually, you know, being connected, having purpose, you know, um, helping others, all this kind of stuff. It's all about connection and awareness. And it's but I'm trying to force somebody that they need to do this. Mm. I think, well, firstly, I don't think you have the right to do that because by what right do you have to tell somebody how to live their life? You can give them the basics. You can tell them what they need to do. But whether they do that and how they interpret that and what they do with it, that's up to them. You have no control over that. And if you try and take control over it, you're then trying to force them in a box that perhaps they're not meant to be in. I mean, from a, from a kind of practical um, standpoint, in regards to, you know, say people who are new in, in recovery, yeah. they're going to meet, you know, other people of all levels of enthusiasm about God. And some of them may be very, very enthusiastic. Yeah. And, you know, so much so that it, it may feel that they're being very pushy. Mm-hmm. H- how does the kind, of, the kind of newcomer deal with that? Well, you know, as a newcomer in, in any kind of organization, and, and you kind of look around you and you see who are, who's doing well and kind of what you want, and, you know, and some people may be attracted to, to the idea of God and what that gives them, you know. Um, and that's fine. That's that's you know if it works, then that's fine. But if you feel someone is actually pressurizing yeah. them, but if you feel that actually you're being put under pressure and you're being forced to believe something, then I would say that actually no, you're not. You're not being forced to see something. What you may need to do is then to look for, you know, another, um, maybe not another group or another um, lot of people to work with, but. There are other things out there, you know, there, there are atheist AA groups and any groups, you know. So they are contactable. You can research on the internet and find those things. So if you need something, if you feel that actually you're not being catered for, if you like, for want of a better phrase, um, within your own meetings, then there are lots of ways to find that, you know, nowadays with the, with the internet. But ultimately, what you have to remember 
it's your recovery and any 12-step meeting is ultimately, or any, not just 12-step, but any kind of meeting is ultimately a room full of people who want to get well. Mm. You know? So don't deny yourself access to that. I mean, I mean this may, may sound like a, a silly question, but I think it's an important one. In that, you know, some people may be worried about this. Mm. Is it possible for someone without belief mm. to make a, a full recovery and have the same level of, say, serenity as somebody with belief? And by belief, you mean belief in a deity? Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just over seven years now. I really enjoy my recovery. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy, I like who I am as a person. Um, I would dare say that I actually even have love for myself now. Um, I certainly never had an addiction. So the answer to your question from my experience is yes. Yeah, undoubtedly. That's good. That, that'll be good for some people to hear. Because I, I think there is, there can be this sense that, you know, if you don't do it this, you know, this way, you know, you're on the wrong track. And people can be very vulnerable, can't they? Oh, Especially in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, like, this is such a kind of good, important issue. Is there, how can we continue it for people? How can people say in that position, you know, get, you know, find more information? You mentioned the, the groups there. Yeah, I mean, there are um, groups, uh, agnostic and, and atheist NA, NA groups and AA groups. The easiest way to find out that kind of stuff would be to go, go online and to, to search, possibly not the where to find, but, you know, there are, there will be, you will be able to find them. Um, and also, you know, groups like Smart Recovery. I was going to say, you know, yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Smart? Well, Smart uses CBT techniques and um, same the kind of not so much group therapy, although there are there is an, an aspect of it. But it is again a meeting of people who are in recovery and want to get into recovery and are working a recovery, who may not have a belief in a higher power. I mean. And that's fine, you know, it's what works for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, I, I suppose one last thing as well, I mean, what would you say to somebody? Because obviously, you know, people live in cities, they have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. They can easily probably find, you know, an, an atheist group or, you know, an agnostic group where they feel more comfortable. Yeah. But what, if, what, what about those people who are just in a very kind of, say, rural area and there's not many options and yeah. the meeting is very, very religious? Would you still say you need to go? Well, I would say that you need to go because I said earlier, ultimately it's a room full of people to get well. And don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. You know? Perhaps it's about realizing in that situation that actually you have no power over what somebody else believes, they have no power over what you believe. And that's about being more confident in yourself than actually what you choose to believe. Now, that, as you say, is not always easy, especially in the early days. Um, but early days of recovery are struggle anyway and I would say you know I mean what you have nowadays online you know some of these apps where you can get meetings online you know yes even in rural areas I know it's difficult for internet access sometimes but it's there it's possible and I would encourage and, and you won't be kicked out will you for not no, having of course not so you're going to have to deal you have to kind of put up with you even if you don't even if you don't they have yeah. to put up with you because that's all it says in the thing is a desire to stop that's brilliant. Desire, nothing else. This has been a really good podcast. I've really attended it's a very important topic. So thanks very much, Doug. You're very welcome. And we'll leave it there. Okay.